Stratton run down, but okay. Franklin with a hurdle, and then the long one. This will be something. It is. It's an MCG special from Buddy. It was shaking. It was electric. Hair on the back of your neck, standing up. The only place that can produce that is the MCG. What a roar! This is something to savor, something to remember for the rest of your life. Well, hello everyone and welcome to At The G, a brand new podcast series celebrating the moments that mattered at the MCG. I'm Anthony Hudson and welcome to episode two, the first of a two-part series looking back on the 2006 Commonwealth Games when the MCG, just as it had been during the 1956 Olympics, was transformed into an athletics track. And what a transformation it was. There were so many days and nights of great action. And in episode three, we'll get inside the mind of the local hero who took part in the race of the Games on an electrifying night at the G. One lap from glory. It's so fast. This is a remarkable race. It's an astonishing sight here with 80,000 people roaring him on. Does he have that big kick to hold? Can't wait to relive Craig Mottram's incredible Commonwealth Games. But for now, the emotional, inspiring and ultimately tragic story of Karen McCann. The marathon brings out extraordinary things. And it was Karen McCann and Helen Sharono and that battle. And when McCann came into the stadium, oh, God, it was amazing. It really was. Guts. It was a fairy tale that just burned out so quickly and and it still has me shaking my head at times, you know. It's... um... It's tough. In December 2008, Australia was deeply saddened by the passing of mother of three, Karen McCann, who died in her hometown of Wollongong after a battle with an aggressive form of breast cancer. Karen was just 41. Only two and a half years earlier, she went into the women's marathon of the 2006 Commonwealth Games as the defending champion. But on that hot March Sunday, no one could have possibly envisaged the effect she would have on the near 80,000 people lucky enough to have tickets for the first day of athletics or the millions watching the television coverage on Channel 9. Karen's husband, Greg, was amongst the MCG crowd, sitting nervously with their young son, Benton, and baby daughter, Josie, as well as Karen's parents. It was just going to be a perfect way to, um, to, f- to finish her career in front of, you know, we could all be there. All the family could be present for her to, um, to leave and, and come back into that stadium. In the nine commentary box that day, two former Australian teammates of Karen. A close friend, a Commonwealth Games gold medalist himself, Steve Monaghetti, who'd also been chosen to present the marathon medals, and two-time Commonwealth Games silver medalist in the long jump, Dave Colbert, who was carving out a successful career as a commentator, sports promoter and administrator. To help them tell the story, Karen's coach and former head of our track and field team, Chris Wardlaw, and also her Australian teammate, Kate Smythe who produced her own extraordinary and dramatic finish of a very different kind. My sight was going very hazy. I could still hear, but I couldn't really coordinate my body or or really feel a lot of things that you, as a runner, you want to be able to control. If anyone's seen the footage, I literally had this backwards lean. So I was running a bit like a puppet, couldn't really control my limbs properly. 
As the drama unfolded, one of Australia's greatest ever sports broadcasters, Bruce McAvaney, was calling it all on Radio 3AW. Alongside him, another incredible talent who, like Karen, died way too young, Clinton Gribus. You'll also hear the voice of Karen herself in interviews with 3AW and SEN, looking back on what was a remarkable day at the MCG. No, I don't think when you went there, any of us had an idea of what was going to unfold. It was just the first day of athletics and we were going to enjoy the marathons. Obviously, Karen was one of the favourites. So going back to back was something that we were, you know, hopeful of, but Karen was getting towards the end of her career. I, I think for a lot of the crowd, they were just hoping for an Australian to win. So it just sort of unfolded. We had a bit of a, a moment when I sent her to Falls Creek uh, for a camp because she had a young family and you know, she never loved leaving the family, but she knew it was important to get rid of the stresses of life, which is why we take people to camp. The whole time we were at Falls Creek, she was like, oh, you know, I can't wait to see my family again. She was really missing Benny at the time, her son. And so being away from her family was quite stressful for her. Karen went in there as a favourite, but the last marathon she did prior to that race was she ran Tokyo and it was absolutely disastrous. So we didn't, she was confident, but in the back of your mind, you just never know what's going to happen on the day. She was actually, I think, had overtrained a bit before Tokyo. So we had to be careful and, um, and not overdo it this time. You know, the moment she arrived in Falls Creek, she really just kicked on and we knew um, she'd done enough to know when, when she lined up that morning. We, physically, she was just in great shape and, you know, mentally, clearly was in the sort of shape that she needed to be because uh, it was an extraordinary, you know, last 10K where she just had to put everything on the line. The Kenyans were surging from very early in the race and I think that was a bit unexpected. Usually they start surging in the second half and they started surging around 10K mark. It wasn't as straightforward as what maybe Karen would have liked as far as controlling the pace. And I think that's where less experienced runners such as myself found it a little more challenging than what I had anticipated it would be. She dominated from the beginning. And so I was with her up until about the halfway mark and we were down around Abbott Park and then heading out. And she saved her internal strength for when it really mattered. She was great at counter-surging. Whenever the Kenyans took off, she just went, fine, I'm coming with you. You're not getting out of my sight. She didn't let anyone get a gap on her. And every time they tried, she would just counter that and just say, no, 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 I'm in, I'm in control here. So the, the second half of the race was hers and for anyone who wanted to hang on for dear life. I only knew what everyone else knew. We only know what comes up on the big screen. And as the race wears on and the intensity starts to pick up and things are happening, you'll, the pack will come back and, you know, it's gone from eight to five and then, you know, it's just trims right down to three and two and then, um, but with two of them that went on and on and it was, um, yeah, it was pretty tough. It was hard to watch. It really wasn't until it got to about the 25k mark and there were three athletes left in the running. Karen McCann, uh, Liz Yelling from England and Helen Sharono of, of Kenya. And they came back along St Kilda Road and the crowds were just enormous. The MCG is in sight now. It's directly in front of them. This massive stadium that has hosted so many famous sporting events. And McCann, she's got a little smile on her face, or is it a grimace? Sharono goes to the front for the first time. They've probably done 40K. Sharono hasn't been in front for the entire race. McCann, can she hang on? Come on, 
Karen, this is it. She was almost like my little sister. And, you know, when we trained a lot sort of through the 90s, and um, so we'd become unbelievably close friends, just families. We travelled together with our families. So I'd known Karen for such a long time. And for me, it was really difficult to not make it personal because obviously I'm thinking, wow, this is unbelievable. This is in one of the greatest races we've ever seen. And here's, here's my best friend running out there. And I've got to just commentate on this without showing a lot of real emotion and say, well, this is still a race. And most people don't know this. Karen said she ran for about 10 kilometres and didn't know that the Kenyan girl was with her. She didn't even know that she was, she thought she was running on her own. And that's scary in itself. If you can't hear someone else's footsteps or hear their breathing, if they're able to sneak along right behind you, um, that's an indicator they're probably feeling pretty good. You think you're on your own and then, then she saw a shadow and I guess it was a bit of a rude shock for her. And then they took a turn into Birringmar um, next to the Yarrow, Yarrow there in Federation Square. And all of a sudden the race was on. We are in the stadium and the athletes that were out on the road there could hear the crowd in the stadium. They were within the distance to be able to hear the MCG and they went along Birringmar and then up the William Barrack Bridge, which was a new bridge that was built to connect those two areas. And the incline there, Hutto, was ridiculous. And I said in my commentary, this is unfair, this is unfair, as they were you know, forced to make this huge climb up this hill. There was a hill just before the stadium, and I'd had it, I'd, I was gone, and I, I was starting to think, well, you know, silver's not a bad effort. <laughs> By then it was just the, the two-person battle between Karen and Helen Sharono, and it, it still gives me goosebumps thinking about it. She's fighting back, and yep. Sharono, maybe that was the last burst from Helen Sharono from Kenya. They're on the bridge. Have a look at the climb. That's unfair. That is unfair to have to do that at this stage of the race. This is good for Australia. Come on, Karen. Sharono's not done with yet. This is really tough, this climb. I think marathons are an unbelievable event. Any marathon, you know, and I don't, I'm not going to compare. This is going to sound like I'm, I'm, I'm ripping into other events, but often they're over in a flash and, you know, there's, it's pure ability and speed. Whereas in the marathon, I love looking at people's faces and the expressions and just what happens. It's really like a, a life story playing out in these events. And we were watching that and, and commentating on it. You know, I think we all realised what was unfolding. And the further it went, I'm thinking, surely this is not going to come down to a sprint. This is not possible because that's not what happens in marathons, especially at championships. You know, it's normally pretty clear cut. That sort of finish was obviously um, great for the crowd and, and the excitement factor, but the stress levels were through the roof for those last, especially the last, say, 20 minutes. But as they were dicing and, and things were happening, they were changing the lead and stuff. I'm thinking, who's going to make a break? Surely it's going to be up over William Barrett Bridge. You know, there's going to be some stage here. Karen's not going to leave it to a sprint because she's you know, it's not a great sprinter. I'm thinking, how? why is this all playing out? And yet right in front of us, the script is being written completely different to what, in my mind, I was thinking I'd be commentating on. They're at the level of the MCG. Their eye line is directly to the top stand of the MCG. So they've got the, the finish line right in their sights. Well, you have to remember at times like this that pain is temporary but glory lasts forever That's and true. they have to just dig inside themselves and find something that maybe hasn't existed in the past. Pain is temporary but it's enormous right now. This is what all the training's about. She's definitely significant break there. Go Keza! What a sight, the MCG. There are a lot of people in this stadium that are willing Karen McCann home. Well, Sharono Mono, she's back. She refuses to go away. In fact, she takes the lead. Coming towards the stadium. What a race we've got in store. McCann fights back and the crowd of the stadium are with her.
she'd be able to hear that roar there on Brunton Avenue and they'll run home for the goal. Experience tells you this is going to be a magnificent finish. Just remember for a moment, Karen McCann is 38 years of age and since she won, as Sharono joins her, since she won in Edinburgh, she's had another baby, a little baby girl. And now Sharono's taking this move as they make their way towards the stadium now. They're on the pathway to glory. Who will it be? McCann of Australia, Sharono of Kenya. Stride for stride they go. About to enter the stadium for one lap and you will hear an almighty roar. I, I can't even really remember the roar. I don't even know where my head was at. I was just... Um, so focused and stressed out and, you know, getting up and, and trying to, to see, to get a view. Those people in the stadium had been watching for virtually two and a half hours. You're seeing these figures on TV. It's like a movie coming in, you know. You see the choppers in the air. Everything's getting closer. And when they come in, it gives you chills, makes your hair stand on end. You know, these two people physically just bust into the stadium and do that lap. And all of a sudden you get to see that best bit in person. They're, they're right there. They're only a, a few metres away from everybody. It's, uh, it's quite a surreal experience. Of, it's so amazing to, you know, to be rewarded with that. After watching them battle for a couple of hours and bang, it's happening for real right in front of your eyes. It's, uh, I've never seen anything like it. There are about 75,000 people in the, in the crowd. I think there are about 485,000 people say they were there. Um, and the MCG, the, the noise was just extraordinary. The, you know, the new roof that envelops, the, it sort of keeps the sound inside. But it's also a stadium that attracts its silence as well. So the ebb and flow of, of the silence when, when oh, as the Kenyan made a move and then Karen made a move and then they came into the stadium, it's something I'll never forget. Each, they'd battled together for a long time. You know, it was obvious that one was going to get a silver, one was going to get a gold, and you thought, and it was a battle of wills. And you know, the physical part's so important as well, but it's the battle of the minds. And you know, could she or couldn't she? And and you know, the mum and her child was in the grandstand with her husband and things. And when she came into that stadium and sort of broke Chirono, it was just massive. And to call it, you, if you didn't have your headphones on, you'd cry, Hutto. That's what you'd do. You couldn't stop. You would have to. But with your headphones on, you've got to have that, you know, professional attitude to it. But it just, oh, it was amazing. They head into the tunnel. You're about to hear an almighty roar. Chirono of Kenya. And now McCann of Australia says, I want to lead into the stadium for that final lap. And she does. This is almost unprecedented. It's like a one-lap sprint. Sharono and McCann, and McCann draws level. You've never seen anything like it. McCann and Sharono are stride for stride. You know, I entered into that stadium, and I think 80,000 people carried me around that last 300 metres. I, I just don't know how I sprinted after running 42 kilometres, but, yep, I did it. What a roar! They came into the stadium, and I was lucky, Hutto, and I'm sure you've done the same thing, and it was beaten into us at various commentary meetings and I had an old producer at the ABC who said, sometimes the best thing to say is nothing. Yeah. And the silence. And I came into the stadium and I didn't say anything for 100 metres. And you look back at it and I'm so pleased that I had the discipline to do it, to say nothing, because the crowd said everything it needed to say. It was a TV call. You could see it. You could see that Karen McCann was in front. You could see that... Helen Sharono was trying to peg her back and I didn't need to say anything. The crowd said everything. 2.50 to go in the marathon, head to head. 
McCann's in front. Sharono fights back. What a finish. Actually started to pull away and, and show good form. I, I, I wasn't counting my chickens until she crossed that line. You know, anything can happen. And then as I entered the straight, it looked like Karen was going to hang on. And for some reason, I said, this is a moment to savour, something to remember for the rest of your life. I don't know where those words came from, but gee, I'm glad that I said them because it summed up everything that everyone was feeling, I reckon. You know, in those moments when you're calling, you've had them, you don't realise when you're there that these things stick on a tape forever. And it's my best call. And, you know, I still get emotional when I'm talking about it because when, when Karen passed away and all of that was played, you're just glad that you did it justice. You did her moment justice. And that's how I feel about it. Edging clear, the defending champion, 38 years of age. Son Benton, daughter Josie, husband Greg, cheering her out in the course. Hope they've got in here to experience this because this is something to savour, something to remember for the rest of your life. Karen McCann defends her title and goes back to back and wins the gold. What a race. What a finish. There is a guide, Karen Detzone. What a magnificent story. What a great, great example. Fantastic person. A terrific Australian. I'm proud to be in the stadium on my feet to see such a finish. Keza, we'll take our hat off to you. You don't know where those things come from, do you? But um, it's actually true. And if you knew her personally, you would want, you would think that she deserved to win that race. But often in life, things don't work out as they should be. So she lived in the shadow of other more well, more prominent marathon runners, you know. So it was kind of like she'd sort of, this was her moment and finally she'd got redemption. And to, to be honest, you could not put it in better, in better words. There is a God was just, she deserved that. She was, as I say, one of the, greatest Australian female, male sports people ever. Her, her humility, the way she represents this country, the way she loves, loved her family, and that was evident, obviously, on the day. This is definitely the peak of my career, and I can't ever imagine doing anything better than this. I'm almost at the end of my career, and I really wanted to finish on a high, and, and I've done it today. That whole finish was so perfect, and else she couldn't put her foot back on the start line for another marathon. I think she was she was uh, fulfilled and drained. She was a whole lot of things. So yeah, it was a it was a an ideal ending to to her career. I was so happy. Happy for her. The way she carried herself over her whole career, to have that defining moment and to allow the rest of the public and the world to see the genuine person that we knew was just fantastic. And there's her husband Greg. Team McCann, son Benson and daughter Josie, and well, wouldn't they be excited? What a fantastic moment. I'm almost crying. Excuse me if I'm tearing up. There's Benny out on the track. Well, won't he have a story to tell <laughs> and show and tell on Monday morning? My mum won the Commonwealth Games and I got to run on the MCG with her. When she went on a lap of honour and you know, young Benton jumped over the over the fence and they went around together. It was really hard for both of us. Mona couldn't speak. Mona was not able to speak at that point. Um, it was hard to talk about all of that. And this was before, you know, there was no breast cancer diagnosis. We didn't know that she was going to lose her life, all of those things. But a, a mum and a son running a lap of honour, amazing stuff. 
she came up and we, and we hugged and she said, can you believe, all she said to me was, can you believe that? You know, she was just sobbing and hugging her mum and the kids and yeah, it was something else. But um, I, I was really, I'm still so um, happy for Ben to be able to um, have done a lap with his mum. That was so special. I'm really happy. My family mean the world to me and it was really a really special moment for me to run around with my son Benton and, and have my family and my friends um, sitting there and sharing that, that moment with me. For Karen, I just think it really summed up that it wasn't about her. Most people would be, you know, it'd be all about them. They'd be self-absorbed. They'd be grabbing some Australian flag and running around and, you know, sharing it with the crowd, looking out to the crowd saying, look at me, look at me, look at me. Karen wasn't like that at all. And that really just summed her up as a person. She wanted to, you know, have a family there who'd been so important and so supportive of her along the way. And I will never forget that beaming smile. It was almost like, wow, this amazement as if to say she'd won Tasslot. It was like she kind of hadn't run the race and it was almost like a surprise to her. And she was suddenly saying, wow, this is fantastic. I can, oh, I can really enjoy this now. And, and I think that genuine, pure emotion of enjoying that, that victory makes us all just appreciate that sometimes you've just got to, you know, you've got to realise that um, we're all human at the end of the day. And it looked like she was a machine and she was going to be winning this race. But we all then saw that what a humble, normal Australian person she was just getting out there having a go. More on the incredible and emotional story of Karen McCann in a moment. But now, just a quick look ahead to coming episodes of At The G. And I remember taking my son to the footy and I said to him, Christian, you know, many years ago, Dad owned the MCG for a night and he, he just looked at me and laughed and said, no, no, the MCG's for football, Dad. Craig Mottram's amazing Commonwealth Games will be the feature of our next episode of At The G. Speaking of footy... It won't be long before we relive a couple of extraordinary AFL Grand Finals. I remember going out and just going out to Roosie pre-game and we just looked at each other and went, here we go again. It's probably <laughs> going to be another tight one. And, and we just had a smile and walked off our ways to say, let's see what where it's at in two hours' time. We, we stumbled over the line. Leo Barry saves all of us. And, and, <laughs> and it was just relief that siren goes it's relief and I think every player plays in the grand final they hear that final siren and, you, and your team's in front it's relief you go to 06 and we lose by a point like that is a really bitter pill to swallow still is like you know I refuse to watch it gets a point in the grand final like man come on really there's so many tales to tell about our great ground and club and if you're enjoying at the G Don't forget, you can subscribe to the show on Apple, Google and Spotify podcasts and leave us a review or join the conversation on Twitter at MCC underscore members. Now back to the Women's Marathon and before we chat in more depth with Greg McCann, let's explore Karen's Australian teammate from the day, Kate Smythe's extraordinary experience. So Kate, while Karen is enjoying her victory lap and the MCG crowd is revelling in the moment... You're outside the stadium in seventh place, but suffering from severe dehydration and no guarantee of making it. What was going on with your body at that stage? 
I lost sensation within my body. I knew that I was running. I knew that I was still moving, but I lost control of my hip flexors and I lost control of a lot of the sensory information. I my, my sight was going very hazy. I could still hear, but I couldn't really coordinate my body or, or really feel a lot of things that you, as a runner, you want to be able to control. So going up over that rise was, in Birang Ma that you then descend to go into the stadium was where I just literally had to focus on taking one more step at a time because I literally felt like I was going backwards and if if anyone's seen the footage I literally had this backwards lean and because my hip flexors had gone I couldn't pull myself forward to actually run down a hill it looked like I was going backwards absolutely it looked ridiculous but uh so I was running a bit like a puppet couldn't really control my limbs properly Kate Smythe come on Kate keep on running she's doing it tough that's what the marathon the it's a very humbling experience running a marathon the surges certainly led to me missing a number of my key drinks along the way. And then by halfway, it was sort of downhill from there, purely because, as you know, in a marathon, if you don't get those first couple in, they're the most important and you, it, you, it's very difficult to catch up from then on. So rookie's error for sure. And I think that coupled with the direct sunlight and the fact that it actually did warm up unseasonably um, towards the end of the day. And I remember looking at the men when they finished their race as well, their feet were cut to smith. Some of them had to get their shoes cut off their feet because the the skin had actually moulded through their shoes because of the the heat coming off the surface of the road and the turns. The the it was a quite a twisty turny course for a championship race. So there were quite a few factors that came into play that day. It was a little more complicated than what I guess I had anticipated. Here's Kate Smythe. Has entered the stadium, looked around, took it all in. She's battling, look at the back lean. She's really fighting to, to just finish this last 250 metres. Uh, to me, it was a sheer miracle that I made it to that entry point. And as I look, looked across to that finishing line, I think at that point it was about 300 metres away. And the roar, as I entered the stadium, the roar of, of my name and of you know, go Aussie was what really carried me to the finishing line. Had they not been there, I probably would have just collapsed then and there and just gone, you know, this is enough. She's battling. You can tell she's got absolutely nothing left, completely spent, almost walked down to a walk. She's just getting every last inch of energy out of her body. She's glad she's not in the final of the 100 sprint. She's at 80 to go. But I looked across at the finishing line and I just said, just take one more step. And I said, just take one more step. And I said that to myself over and over and over again. Look at the arms pumping because her legs are gone. She's got the lean back. Goodness gracious. Come on, Kate. Well, she's in a bit of trouble here. So the focus on the line, the crowd lift to try and bring her home. She's right. She's there. Oh, boy. What a battle. And Kate Smythe crosses the line. Until I literally got to the finishing line and then everything was going very wonky, very hazy, and I couldn't see the finishing line. I knew I was near it and I was wavering. I'd kind of really lost control of everything at that stage and the crowd hushed. They'd been really noisy up until that point and it was deafening. 
and in my mind, I was thinking, why are you stop cheering for me? I'm, I'm at the finishing line. I've come all this way and you've stopped, you've stopped cheering for me. That's so unfair. But what I didn't realise was that I was staggering and wavering and everyone was hushing because they were worried I wasn't actually going to fall on the right side of the line and actually finish because, you know, if someone came and helped me across the line, I'd be disqualified. So they had to stay away from me until I finished, literally. I did cross the line. It did go very quiet. And then I don't remember much more after that. It's all a complete blur from then on until I came to and I was recovering in the medical centre underneath the MCG. At that point, I woke up packed in ice and uh, there was a few familiar faces uh, there to support me and say, hey, well done. But to me, it was, um, you know, it was a very different experience to what I'd expected. So I was quite devastated at that point in time. (laughs) Yeah, I I was going to ask, you'd got a top 10 finish. It probably wasn't what you'd visualised you would do, but you'd got there and showed Mm. incredible courage. So what were your emotions? I was really embarrassed. I was really humiliated, embarrassed by the fact that I could make such a rookie's mistake. And uh, there was such a disjoint between what I had expected myself to be able to achieve on the day and what eventuated. So for me, people saying ah, you know, that was a greater effort to me. I felt, oh, please don't say anything because I just feel terrible that I didn't represent all of you in the way that I had hoped. But now in hindsight, I think, wow, that was, you know, that was um, amazing that I even finished that race. I'm not sure whether I could ever replicate that in the state that I was in. But, you know, there was a lot of positives for me that I took away from that race. I never missed a drink bottle again in any races. (laughs) (laughs) And I did later rebound and run a much great, a better performance at another time. But, you know, that that experience was one that I wouldn't wish on another athlete for many reasons. And although it may have been seen by others as courageous from an experience from my perspective, it was, yeah, it's still difficult to reconcile. And I've only ever watched that race once on video because I still find it difficult. I still find it really emotional for many reasons. You know, it's the last time Karen and I raced together, but it's also the one opportunity to to do that in a home crowd. And I wasn't able to fulfill the dream that I had for that day. I guess as you said though, you were part of an incredible occasion and, and Karen's amazing performance. And you know what she said to me up at Falls Creek going into that race was when we were talking about it and I was asking her what it meant to her to run again and, you know, she'd already been there, done this in several other Commonwealth Games. She'd already got medals over decades. She said to me, you know, this one, this one actually, Kate, is for me. I don't care the result. I don't care about anything else. She said, I just want to do this one for fun and for me. My goodness, didn't she set the world on fire? through her strengths and just being herself and just really nailing it on the day. And But she did that with such grace and poise. So, Chris Wardlaw, you're Karen's coach. Where did you watch that triumphant moment from? <laughs> so, yeah, so I uh, traditionally I uh, hate not being on the move uh, with marathons and all my athletes know, you know, that I uh, like to be somewhere on the course and ru- do a bit of running. And uh, I famously rode a bike for Monas 
uh, Commonwealth in 1994. Yeah, so I was out on the course, you know, running between bits and pieces. I The last I saw her was at 40.5K. I know exactly where it was on St Kilda Road. And, um, you know, they went head to head and I knew, oh, God, this is going to be unbelievable. Um, and because we knew Sharano was a, you know, a quality athlete. So I, I left her at 40 and a half K. I made no effort to get back to the stadium. I wasn't going to make it uh, because of the crowds and everything. So I, I thought I'd get to the big screen uh, just down by the rowing ship. But somehow, you know, just in the excitement, I, I couldn't find it. And uh, all I heard was this mighty roar. I thought, I thought, well, she could have won, uh, but I didn't know <laughs> anyway. Wow! Until I, until I asked, and um, you know, obviously, when I got back, she won it and done a lap of honour. <laughs> you know, the, the coach doesn't need to be there. When um, when all this was happening, I'm thinking, oh, gee, now I've got to get out of the commentary booth and um, and head downstairs to do the get ready for the medal ceremony. And I got down under the depths of the stadium, and here's Karen. And I run up, and I give her a cuddle and, and say hello. And she says, um, oh, great, you know, nice of you to come down to congratulate me so so quickly after the race. She didn't know I was presenting the medals. So I said, oh, I'm actually I'm, I'm involved in the, in the medal presentation. And um, she said, oh, gee, that's fantastic, even better. Then out we went, and I did the um, ceremony. And protocol will have you present the medal and you I don't know you know kiss on both cheeks or something and then off you go and I this just overcame me and I just we embraced for about a minute it was the longest embrace in history and I think I broke all the rules and all that but I didn't care I was I was sharing this moment with Karen it was an unbelievable moment and the emotion for both of us who'd been on such a long journey together was just palpable it was just an incredible moment that that I will never forget, and obviously, as history has shown now, you know, Karen's no longer with us, and um, it's those personal memories that you take away of what a wonderful, wonderful person, a fantastic, fierce, fierce competitor who represented Australia, wore that Australian singlet with absolute, genuine pride and humility that I've never met in another individual. She deserved that win and it's one of the special runs. But if you knew her as a person, it makes it even more special. Even now, you know, a lot of our top female and male distance runners are inspired by Karen in, in so many ways. Um, she, you know, was just a really good person and a bloody good athlete. She was one of those very nurturing individuals who would reach out and help other athletes and befriend a lot of other women especially really migrated to her because she had a natural very nurturing disposition and character and she was a wonderful influence I guess to many of us because she could be such a warm loving kind person but when it came to competition she was ruthless you know she turned the screws and she made you earn your place and you know, there was no mercy. So she had this real polarity within her ability to turn on her competitive streak. But as soon as the race was over, she'd be hugging everyone. You know, I, I felt very privileged to have been able to get to know Karen over that time. I didn't realise the enormity of it and how good it was until later that night I was watching and the news came on and the highlights were on. And you thought, wow, that is it was, a, it was a moment sort of where you divorce yourself from being there and being part of it as a commentator. You do it when it happens, it finishes, you move on to the next thing and you don't really think backwards. You only look forwards into what's going to happen next. It wasn't until later that night that I thought, wow, that's, that's amazing. You know, most athletes go through their lives 
not being able to share their their athletic performances with their kids. So in this instance, it, Josie was just a little baby. Benton was old enough to get over the fence and run around with mum. They had the team of canned shirts on. You know, grandmother was there, all of that. So it just resonated, didn't it? So tremendous. And because it was the marathon, you know, two hours and 30 minutes on the road, a battle one-on-one, the thoughts of Deke and what he had done previously, all of those things combine into that recipe, I think, to make it one of Australia's great moments. And, you know, I still bang on about the fact that if you're going to have another statue of another athlete, we're lucky that we've got ones of Shirley Strickland and, and Betty Cuthbert outside the MCG, but statue of Karen and what that meant. It was, it, it's regularly mentioned as one of the great moments at the MCG. And this is a Commonwealth Games marathon with a small field. The time wasn't super fast. If you want a moment to, to remember your life, Karen running into that stadium and saying, I'm going to win this race, despite the fatigue with 300 metres to go and you know extending the lead and fighting off a world-class Kenyan to win, it's not a bad memory to have. I've only ever seen the finish once. We watched the last 20 minutes together when Karen was dying um, at Wollongong. I flew in. I was in Bruma at the time, and her husband asked me to come down because she was sinking fast and thought if I need to see her, uh, I'd need to come. So I, I left you and I and came down, and um, we spent the day together, and we decided to watch the last 20 minutes together. Um, which was just a wonderful moment. And I've never seen it since and probably won't chase it again because I don't think I could be as moved as I was uh, that day. And then, of course, the aftermath, what happened a few years later um, with, you know, Karen succumbing so early to cancer. Um, so it, it, it sort of even makes it even more special in a way if that's possible. But, yeah, it's, I think it's, it's one of the great moments. Um, Certainly in my broadcasting lifetime. Greg, with such a young family, how did you and Karen cope in that period when she got sick so suddenly? Even, even as things went on, she was so, so positive that, um, and strong. I, I, just, I, I was thinking about it earlier today, her, her attitude. She and I, like I was, yeah, I was worried sick for a long time and... Um, you start to think things will be okay and then something else comes up. You're getting bad news from, you know, your body's fighting the tumour. It's the chemotherapy gets to the point where your body's struggling with it and toing and froing and um, she'd had enough after a second round of treatment. She was, her body couldn't take anymore and um, and that was it. She's, but, you know, she never, never complained. It was amazing i don't know how she did the things she did and held held things together which was it was good for me because i was falling apart and she had focus on on the kids and by that stage ben was 10 or 11 and josie was just five and cooper was born he was one when she passed so it was there's a whole lot of sadness but she never really um never showed it not not to me she just grit her teeth and and so I'm going to keep fighting, and, and that's what she did. Yeah, it's hard to hear even still, even all these years later, talk about it. That was probably the shock to people from the outside, is she was such a fighter and she had this unbelievable attitude, and yet the disease got her so relatively quickly, and it's such a tragic time in your life because you've got young kids. I mean, it must have been incredible for you to try and cope through all that period. 
it was hard, but because most of our family's still in this in this area, we were able to get by, and that was it. Like family and and the community up below the northern part of the and the whole of uh, the Wollongong area, like people were so so supportive and um, helped us out in so many different ways. Yeah, it's it's been hard. It was it was it's been hard on the kids mainly, all, all of us. But yeah, I still feel for them. It's um it's been tough. They're all doing really well. Ben's now 22 and he's bought a house with his girlfriend. He's working hard and doing well. And Josie's just gone. Karen didn't get to see us. That was something that I was upset. She didn't get to see Josie start school. And like she's in year 11 and, you know, she's doing really well. And Coop's doing really well as well. So the kids are absolutely thriving. Yeah, well, that's great to hear. And I guess, you know, Karen's left an amazing legacy, hasn't she, for them by the example, the way she lived their life. Oh, 100%. And I can see those kids in it. And, and that's, that's the cool thing. Like, that They do things like Josie, I, I see her do things or just mannerisms that she couldn't know her mum had, the way she holds her arms when she walks, if she walks upstairs. I think, man, you like no one walks like that. Uh, unbelievable, the things that are passed on. And, and Coop, like, you see a photo of his mum when she was about 10 or 11 and he they look exactly the same skinny skinny little boy instead of a skinny little girl back all those years ago what do you feel now when you see that vision it's um nice it's just i I don't know it's i i feel kind of confused i I really don't know how i feel i mean i feel sad i feel a whole lot of things glad that it happened but um like you said earlier it happened so damn fast like a year and a half she went from doing that to, to passing away from a physical illness, someone that was super fit and absolutely was so kind to herself in what she put into her body and she took good care of herself. She was so healthy and a, a random type of cancer to pop up and, um, and take her quite quickly is um, something that you would never expect. Just in closing, Greg, this ground, the MCG, the lens through which we're doing this series, I guess that's something that you and the family will always always have, as, and you'll obviously remember Karen as a mum in your own relationships, but you'll always have the fact that she was able to achieve something that is right up there with any of the great footy or cricket or, or even Olympic moments at that, that, that ground is seen. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah it's, it's pretty crazy. Just her, her timing with a sporting career was, was so fortunate. When we got the award of the Olympics, that was next level, and then... Six years later, to be able to go to Melbourne, those two great cities, it's, it's amazing. And it was, it was the, the dream finish, and she, and she knew that as far as her running career. She was just, she'd have still been running. She, she loved it, and she got so many um, great friends out of it and experiences. So I, it was a fairy tale that just burned out so quickly, and, and it still has me shaking my head at times, you know. It's, um, it's, it's tough the the rides the ride continues things are are great for us we've moved on to other chapters but yeah you you still carry that heavy heart um it's it's still there you know a lot of the the great stuff but a a lot of the pain still pretty raw greg thanks so much for for sharing that with us it's uh it's wonderful to to chat to you and, and remember karen in such a terrific way thanks for doing this and uh remembering karen and uh yeah it's, it's nice to, to talk about those times and, and so many of those great people. Well, it was a privilege to be able to chat to Greg McCann, who was remarried and after a couple of years living in Hawaii, is back in Australia, resettling near Wollongong with his family.
One of the people Greg referred to who gave great assistance to Karen was another Australian sporting great, Raylene Boyle. Raylene is a breast cancer survivor and she will tell more about Karen's fight with the disease in a coming episode celebrating the wonderful Field of Women display from the Breast Cancer Network on the MCG. We showed Australia how many women were diagnosed with breast cancer because when you see a mass number like that, it makes you step back and go, oh my God, I didn't realise it was this big. And, and it was just a great event. It was just it, The feeling of it was just sensational. The great Raylene Boyle rounding out our episode celebrating the wonderful life and performance of Karen McCann. Don't forget you can subscribe to the show on Apple, Google and Spotify podcasts and leave us a review or join the conversation on Twitter at MCC underscore members. In closing, I'd like to thank Steve Monaghetti, Dave Colbert, Bruce McAvaney, Kate Smythe and Chris Wardlaw for sharing their personal memories of Karen. And, of course, the Commonwealth Games Federation, Channel 9, Radio 3AW and SEN for their terrific audio from the day. I look forward to catching you next time at the G. Listener.